0: Well, are you ready for some fire and brimstone this morning? You know, two weeks ago, I told you that we would be looking at the wrath of God today, so I imagine you were expecting fire and brimstone, and some were relieved that I didn't share this last Sunday before Christmas. And fire and brimstone is generally the picture we get when thinking about the wrath of God. Of God, and his wrath has been seen in fire and brimstone. Sodom and Gomorrah certainly saw it that way. And so did Korah and the 250 men who rebelled against Moses and were consumed by fire and swallowed up by the earth. Fortunately for us, however, that is the exception and not the rule. If God sent fire and brimstone every time he was angry or displeased with us, we would have all been destroyed long ago. But just because we haven't seen fire and brimstone doesn't mean we haven't seen the wrath of God. You may recall when we began our study in Romans, back in Romans 1.18, Paul said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The tense he used indicates that God's wrath is even now being revealed from heaven. But how? How? How does God currently reveal his wrath in the lives of the unrighteous? Those who, as we have noted, suppress truth, believe lies, and worship creatures. You might find it surprising, but God reveals his wrath most often by simply letting the unrighteous do what they want. To do. In fact, he does the same with us. He has given everyone the freedom to choose to obey him or not. If we got zapped every time we made a wrong choice, we would have no freedom. So he generally lets us do what we want to do. He even did so with his people in the Old Testament, those who lived under the Old Covenant, based on the Mosaic Law. In Psalm 81, 11 and 12, we read, But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their hearts to walk in their own devices. Devices. Now, God did warn his people time and again what would happen if they didn't listen to him. And he promised to bless them if they would. But he did not force them to do his will. Most of the time, he just let them do what they wanted. Now, he didn't like it when they disobeyed him. In fact, it made him angry. And his wrath was expressed By simply giving them over to the stubbornness of their hearts. To walk in their own devices. He just let them do what they wanted to do. And then let them walk in the mess they made of their life. Well, Paul basically says the same thing in our text for today three times. Three times he says, God gave them over. And he tells us what it is that God gave them over to. That God gave the ungodly and unrighteous over to impurity, to degrading passions, and to a depraved mind, or as we might put it, to impurity, perversion, and depravity. And he makes very clear the natural consequences that come from each. He begins by telling us that God gave them over to impurity. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Therefore, because the unrighteous suppress the truth, choose to believe lies, and worship creatures, God gives them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. Now, at first glance, we might not see the connection between worshiping the creature and dishonoring our bodies, between idolatry and the impurity that is expressed by dishonoring our bodies. But it's there. If we don't worship the God who created us, We worship that which was created. And the idol that sits on the top of the totem pole of creation is our body. Once we suppress the truth about our spiritual nature, all we have left is our physical nature. And we worship it by giving it what it desires. And one of the strongest physical desires we have is sexual Desire. Now, obviously, sexual desire is not a bad thing. God created us as sexual beings, and the proper expression of sexual desires binds a man and a woman into a unity that is a picture of the unity God desires between himself and his creation. But when accountability to our Creator for the proper expression of our sexual desires is abandoned, sexual desires become lusts that drive us into impurity. And that sexual impurity results in the dishonoring of our bodies and the bodies of others. Once we stop viewing our body as something very special, made by the very hand of God to be used in service and worship to our creator, we become nothing more than animals with a sexual nature. And other people are reduced to nothing more than sexual objects to be used for our pleasure. I think it's obvious this has happened today. We live in a sex-saturated society, And sexual gratification has become the most important thing to many people. I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that many actually worship sex. How did this happen? We stopped worshiping God, and he let us worship the God of our choosing. Now, some might not think that worshiping sex is such a bad idea. But whatever we worship, we also serve. And sexual immorality quickly becomes a cruel taskmaster. Not only does it leave us unsatisfied and always in need of more, it often leads to perversion. Verses 26 and 27. For this reason... God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons The due penalty of their error. When unrighteous men exchange the truth of God for a lie, literally it says, the lie, the lie that they can successfully fashion gods of their own choosing, God gives them over to additional lies. He lets them believe lies about their own nature and sexuality he lets their lusts degenerate into degrading passions. Not only do they dishonor their bodies by ignoring spiritual truth, they degrade their bodies by ignoring physical truth and by doing things that aren't even natural. If they can exchange the truth of God for a lie they can exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And they will seek to satisfy their lusts any way that holds promise of fulfilling it. If that means entering into a lesbian or homosexual union, they will do it. Even though such unions are unnatural and indecent. And make no mistake... Homosexuality is unnatural for anyone, and it is indecent. In Leviticus 18.22, God declared, You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. And in Leviticus 20.13, God said, If there's a man who lies with a male, as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Now, I know that may sound like hate speech. But those words come directly from the God who created us and loved us enough to die for us, so they cannot be Hate speech. Now, some may use them to express their hatred for others, but they are not an expression of God's hatred. God is simply making very clear the way he judges and has judged homosexual behavior. Under the Old Testament law, homosexuality was a capital offense, punishable By death. And in the New Testament, Paul says those who exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural will receive in their own persons, their bodies, the due penalty of their error. Now, he doesn't identify that penalty. But I believe God's wrath against homosexual behavior is today expressed through the natural consequences of an unnatural act and the embrace of unnatural behavior as being acceptable. Those consequences may include the gender confusion that we are witnessing today, confusion that can lead to alienation, depression, and even suicide. And they may very well be seen in venereal diseases, including HIV and AIDS. That's not to suggest that everyone who is HIV positive is being punished by God. The consequences of sin touch innocent victims every day. That is the real horror of sin. A person killed by a drunk driver isn't being punished for drinking. He's an innocent victim of someone else's sin. And there are a lot of innocent victims of other people's sexual sins and perversions. Sexual immorality has consequences. Natural consequences. And the Apostle Paul warned us to flee from it. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, he said, Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Sexual sins are sins against our own body and the God who created us. And sexual sins have horrible consequences for those who commit them and for others. But as bad as sexual sins are, and as horrible as the consequences of sexual sins are, they are not the worst of all sins. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity writes, If anyone thinks that Christians regard unchastity as the supreme vice, he is quite wrong. The sins of the flesh are bad, but they are the least bad of all sins. All the worst pleasures are purely spiritual. The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, of bossing and patronizing and spoiling sport and backbiting, The pleasures of power, of hatred. For there are two things inside me competing with the human self, which I must try to become. They are the animal self and the diabolical self. The diabolical self is the worst of the two. That is why a cold, self-righteous prig who goes regularly to church may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute. But, of course, it's better to be neither. (laughs) The pleasure of putting other people in the wrong, of bossing, patronizing, spoiling sport, backbiting, and the pleasures of power and hatred are to be found in the next level of sin... To which God has given over the unrighteous. God gave them over first to impurity. Then to perversion. And finally to depravity. Verses 28 through 32. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind. To do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. God gave them over to a depraved mind. The word means a mind that can't be lived with. A mind, a way of thinking, that is the death knell of society when people can no longer live together because they have no regard for anyone else. God reveals his wrath against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men by letting them be as unrighteous and wicked as they want to be. He lets them be filled with wickedness, greed, evil, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. He allows them to be gossips and slanderers. Since they have chosen not to honor him as God or give thanks, he lets them express their lack of respect for their hatred of God through insolence, arrogance, and boastfulness. He gives them the freedom to become inventors of evil, always looking for new and better ways to sin against him. Because they reject him as their heavenly father, he allows them to be disobedient to their parents and thereby lose the understanding that passes from one generation to another. They become untrustworthy and unloving. They lose even the natural affection that parents should have for their children and become unmerciful to the point where they can even kill their unborn children and abandon those that have been born. All of this God allows for now. And those who do it know it's wrong. It's against the ordinance of God, both written and unwritten. And they know in their hearts that those who do such things are worthy of death. But their willful rejection of God has so hardened their hearts that they not only do these things, they actually encourage others to do them as well. If it feels good, do it. If you can, take it. If you want to be free, leave. If you don't want a baby, abort it. If an elderly parent becomes a burden, encourage them to die with dignity. If you don't like the way God created you, convince yourself that you are something else and demand that everyone embrace your self-deception. All of this God allows as an expression of His wrath. He gives the unrighteous over to impurity, perversion, and depravity. Why? Because He hates them? No. Because He wants them to discover the consequences of sin. He wants them to taste his wrath now in the hopes that they will repent and not have to experience his wrath forever. How often have we heard someone asked, why doesn't God do something? Well, he has. He has given us the freedom to choose to love him and obey him Or to ignore him and disobey him. And if we ignore him, he allows the consequences of that choice to affect us and the society in which we live. He doesn't have to do anything to show us the error of our ways, we do it ourselves. That is the way God judges sinners today. He wants us to be so overwhelmed by the darkness of our sin that we will finally embrace the light. He allows us to experience bondage, sorrow, and night so we will finally say, Jesus. I come to thee.